Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the End Podcast, issue 60 actually, so I don't know if that counts for anything, but if you're listening to us on Spotify or SoundCloud or any favourite listening locations, you can also find us on YouTube on the End Pod. <laughs> one shot, so I know it's going to be one of those. <laughs> we have our Instagram and we have a Twitter, and that's the end underscore pod. And if you're listening to us or seeing the edited version on YouTube, then we are the end, and that is through Spank Media, and that's how you can find us on Spotify and all those places. Wow, that was hard work. Wow, I am your... Fucking now. I am part of your regular co-hosting team. My name is Matt. And the other half of my co-hosting team is waiting patiently for me to get a word out without stuttering. Tim, how are you? What up? I'm good, man. How are you? Um, well, I won't go into the details, but I feel slightly on edge. I was slightly ill in the night, and um, now I feel a bit edgy, like I said, Tim. So thank you for asking. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Oh, I think, I think uh, so. Today, we're continuing with the source material behind James Gunn's DCU. And today, it's All Star Superman by Grant Morrison. And we have a special guest, special to me anyway, because you know. It's Joe, isn't it? It's Joe. It's Joe, everybody. Hello, Joe. <laughs> How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> what have you got yeah. to tell us, Chum? Uh, not much, man. Just doing my thing. Uh, reading some books, watching some shows, movies, uh, doing podcasts here and there, and then joining you guys today to talk about, I don't know how to qualify it, but this book, this well... work of... This piece of work, let's say. Let's. It is a piece of work. It is largely considered a modern day masterpiece. When I went on YouTube to do a little bit of research, when it's about twelve issues, isn't it? I think it's from two thousand five. Yeah, twelve issues, um, yeah. And it was like a bookend to that era, kind of like when Byrne picked up Superman after the first Crisis event. It's the second time they had the restart on. Superman, it was actually a part of an all-star diffusion line, which started with a sort of Batman and Friends from slightly earlier in the year. I think the difference was October and November. And then all-star Batman did so poorly, they just binned it all off and said, let's not do any more of this nonsense. (laughs) But all-star Superman is largely seen as a masterpiece. And that's all YouTube would tell me. And that's all the podcasts on Spotify would tell me. How did you feel about it, Joe? <laughs> there, let's uh, wrap, wrap it. <laughs> Shortest did, podcast in history of the end. <laughs> did you uh, bob yourself with excitement? Is that what that noise was? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, well, 
it's it's kind of a book of two parts right the way i understand is this all-star line was supposed to give the top talent in comics an opportunity to work on these legacy characters uh to tell us like an elseworld story that's not within continuity so they could have fun and you know flex their muscles a little bit creatively without too much interference from editorial right so they have much more freedom with the characters and i found the first half was grant not really knowing what to do with it you know it it seemed like Mm. a lot of one shots that were very disconnected from one issue to the next and then kind of halfway through like the bizarro where the bizarro world uh, starts happening you get a more of a cohesive story that follows throughout whereas the only connecting thread in the first half was that superman well spoilers superman's dying right so uh that was the only connecting thread and i thought the stories were eh, not really that interesting for the most part so but in the second half it did i found the second half to be much more readable (laughs) than the first half yeah Yeah. it was tedious like i remember you texting me you're like you're like man is this is this shit? Am I am I going crazy or is this like garbage? What it what am, am I am I wrong? I was like, no man, this is really bad. <laughs> I remember you texted me. I got home from work and you're like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Joe, is this actually shit? Like, yeah, is this yeah, actually shit? Is this actually shit? <laughs> Looks like I shit, think... smells like shit. <laughs> like <you> shit. <laughs> I I think I more now I've finished it. I don't know if it's just through sheer relief, but I felt looking back on the story, and I think there are little bits. Of course, in the first issue, it sets it up where Lex Luthor finally comes up with a plan to kill Superman, and that's through over irradiating his cells or something like. He becomes so overpowered through the power of the sun that it starts his cellular structure starts to deteriorate, and in hindsight, it's kind of him with this race against time to achieve everything that he wants to achieve before he ultimately dies. And there's also the Lex Luthor thread. Uh, I would... I think the problem with this, I think this is a love... <laughs> You've been overexposed to the sun. Yeah, I think I... <laughs> Overexposed to something. <laughs> no. uh, but I think I think this is an homage to Superman through the ages. I don't I have to say I um I read a lot of New 52 because it was a nice little project because it did for me in hindsight what it was supposed to do at the time. It was an easy jumping point. You could start with number ones. And you can enjoy all the titles one by one without having to know anything else. Other than that, I've read just the kind of classics or the one-off stories like Deceased or like anything that Tom King's written because they're all nicely. Mr. Miracle, let's say. Mr. Miracle or Heroes in Crisis and all that kind of razzmatazz. So I have no expanded knowledge of DC Comics. I think this was just completely wasted on me. I mean, I thought it absolutely stunk the place out, the first half of it. The individual stories just weren't very good stories, and they kind of seemed pointless. And they were kind of full of all those Grant Morrison idioms that if they go well, it's great, but if they don't... Like, We Three was another... um, Because it's drawn by quietly, isn't it? (laughs) We Three is when they really get it right, but then is it it Far Sector that 
that he also did. And that just fucking baffled me from day one. Like, sometimes he can be a bit too clever by half. I don't even think that was the problem here. I just don't think, especially the first half, those little stories, they just weren't very good. Yeah, they fell flat. Very flat. Really flat. Yeah, I was really underwhelmed by this comic. I actually haven't really read any sustained Superman. And this is the first Superman comic I read. This is the second time I've read this. And I read it back, it had to be like five years ago. And I remember being so excited because I'd heard like, oh, this is a classic. Like, this is the one. This is the one. And so I, I sat yeah. down and I read it. I was like, I do not actually really understand, first of all, what's happening in a lot of places. Mm. And then also why people revere this so much. And then I thought, okay, well, now I have five years of comics, not Superman comics, but comics under my belt, additional five mm. years of comics under my belt. Maybe now it'll resonate more with me, but... I found it as confounding as I did the first time in many ways. Even the stories that I, I follow clearly. I mean, the one that I thought did work for me was the one where he goes back, he meets his older self in Smallville at his parents' farm. Yeah, that, that was a I thought, that was like, a good issue. Yeah, that worked for me as like a story and one I could follow. But like some of the bizarro stuff, I didn't really even understand what was happening. At a certain point, I had to begin to assume that this is just something that, frankly, maybe too advanced for me. I just don't know enough about DC or Superman to have followed it. And so I kind of give it a, maybe a pass, maybe something I'll revisit if I ever get to deep dive DC at any point. Um, maybe it's something I can return to, but even the, just the issues lacked. First of all, I agree, Joe, with what you're saying. The second half of the six issue series did start to develop a through line, whereas the first half of it was sort of one-offs. But even the stuff that, even the one-offs and the through line stuff lacked a narrative propulsion any interesting i just didn't feel like it did anything for me even the ones i got followed i don't really care about this and i don't know man i uh i just have to assume it's not pitched for me you look online like i did the same thing i tried to figure out what am i missing here like yeah, went on yeah, reddit yeah. to try to figure it out and the one the stuff that i found was people who were willing to defend it were like well it boils down the essence of what superman is very referential to like silver age stuff and that's just stuff yeah. i don't just do not know about and i know that I have to believe, at least to some extent, that I maybe I'm wrong and all the big Superman fans probably, I have to assume they know more than I do and probably are more able to, to assess this than I am. And so I give it maybe a bit of a temporary pass and that's something I can return to. It's not something that I think is shit outright, although I think it's shit for me because I just don't know. The way I described the first half of the issues, they're almost a conversational feel to how things were resolved. Mm -hmm. I think to be fair to it, there were two things that I did like very well. I did, I liked very well. Like my liking was very good. <laughs> no, the things <laughs> that I think it did very well that I liked, I like the separation of Clark Kent and Superman. Even for someone that's unfamiliar and has a very zeitgeist appreciation of Superman, the way that he was a bumbling not dim-witted, but unaware, a person that was unaware to his surroundings and that act. And in the couple of opening issues, he there's an older gentleman crossing the road. He's not looking where he's going. So he bungles into him to save him from a, a bin truck that would have cleared him out. But instead, mm. the man's picking himself off the floor and cursing Clark Kent. That very much reminded me of something that would have been like in the Christopher Reeves era of Superman. Yeah. His relationship with Lois Lane was really good. And that nobody, even when Clark Kent reveals himself to be Superman because he knows he only has a 
um, weeks or days or whatever the time frame was to live. And she just finds the whole notion so preposterous. She thinks Superman's being mean and trying to trick her. And the way that he tries to connect with Lois, he feels after that that he can never make her understand on a human level. So what he has to do, his gift, um, the, his powers for a day so she can connect with him on his level. And I thought that was nice, that that relationship, the to and fro of it. Again, it's very sort of what I would imagine is very classic Clark, Superman and Lois. The one thing that baffled me, and I'm starting to think in hindsight that it may have been two different characters, because I've heard the name Jimmy Olsen, and I thought he was like a bit of a like a, a bit of a silly Billy that was in the background of stories. That was always my appreciation. But you kind of have the silly Billy in the was it the Daily Planet? But then you kind of was it Jimmy Olsen that was in a space station as well at points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, well, no, I, I was just couldn't understand. Yeah, it. they look alike. The quantum guy or whatever his name is, yeah, and yeah. Jimmy Olsen kind of look alike. But when the quantum guy goes off on a mission, they have oh. Jimmy Olsen come in and be the the boss for a day because that's his mm-hmm. shtick. Oh. He experiences that's his whole column in the paper is where he like let's say be a prostitute for a day. So he dresses up as a prostitute and goes and pretends to be a prostitute. Then he writes a column on it. So this one was that whatever that science lab space station he was the boss for a day when he went really, up there really confused me and also well, at I, first yeah they do I look just like, like what the fuck's going on here yeah it really confused me and i just thought i'll just allow it like i don't think this is going to cause me any it was like you were saying with the bizarro world that i was just like oh fuck it this is i'm not meant to understand it i don't understand it let's just read yeah. this one and get to the next the next yeah. issue. And wasn't there a... I thought there was a really weird... Not weird. No, it was. It was really weird. Because there was no preface to him being anything other than Jimmy Olsen. And then in just one single panel, he's talking, I think, to Lois Lane, and he's dressed up in drag. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I was like, where's this come from? I don't understand why he's yeah. in drag. Because they, they flaunt him as some kind of fashion victim, some fashionista. And then mm. in, in the next... 10 pages, he's standing there having a perfectly reasonable common or garden conversation with Lois Gaines in well, like a, that, in, a, in, a, in a red miniskirt. That was one of the winks to one of like the old issues from the 60s where Jimmy Olsen dresses up as in drag as a woman as a disguise. And when if you read the back matter, that was like one of the winks to one of the older issues. I can't remember. Grant Morrison goes over it in the back matter. Oh, if you read okay. the back matter, he explains he really wanted to make Olsen more of his own character and not just Superman's pal that always has to get saved. He wanted yeah. him to be a self, like an independent character that can handle himself despite he just happens to be in Superman's world. It's not like right. not as a plot device. Yeah. yeah. So he wanted to have him be more of a full formed character. Yeah. So that's why oh. the, the change in Jimmy Olsen for this. Yeah. And that's why you put him in a in a bright red leather mini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and the other girl that that was in that he's talking to it isn't uh, it isn't oh, it's, Lois. It's his it's love interest. Lois. Yeah, I mean, and she's right, like, right, right, right. I didn't and know then she's she's playing him like because she uses the other guy and like he's fit this and that you know and that's yeah. why he does the big thing. Uh, what is it in the moon? Like I love yeah. you or whatever he writes down. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. is this impressive? You know, like she's playing them to like try to make them one up each other so she can get all the attention and the things she wants. So. So Jimmy right. like is going extra hard, getting his game on point, right? To 
to prove to her that he's the man she wants. So, yeah. I can't remember what her character's name is. She's one of the ones that works in the... Uh, yeah. Grant. Is it Miss Grant? Is that the one? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. 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 Tell you what, Lois, I I... Lo- Lois Lane was so sexy in this. Oh, in the God. opening, oh my God, the way she was drawn in the first like four or five issues. It was, oh, it was reprehensible. And all these like <laughs> slinky dresses with like a a, a, a revealing like <laughs> cascading backline. Yeah, yeah. If I totally. was a younger man, let me tell you, I'll be I'll be <laughs> like that, like a rattlepig drainpipe. <laughs> One thing I didn't really like the, in this setup, just the conceit of the whole thing about him dying, is that he his motivations are twofold. One is to ensure that the Earth is taken care of once. He's gone. Uh, there's someone that can can guard the earth once he can no longer do it. But then also to stop sublimating his own personal, like human, such as they are, desires, needs to tell Lois who he really is. These personal things to him, and those are often in conflict. I think in conflict in interesting ways. Matt, just I'm thinking about when he finally decides after much consternation, it's hard for him. He he like tries to conceal his fate from Lois for like a, several issues, and then Quintus mm. or. Quint- quantum or whatever spills the beans so then he's forced to do it to like come forward but when he takes lois so i think it's to the fortress of solitude and reveals that he's is, is that where it happens reveals that he's actually clark kent or some, at some point he does that i don't remember where it happens yeah. yeah and when she's just like no when in fact they allude to the fact that for the entire run of superman's history she's suspected that clark kent is superman mm. and then finally when he actually confirms it She's just like, nah, I, I just don't believe it, you know, and, and that that is interesting because that's his real human need to reveal himself and be vulnerable to someone that he loves. He can't do it. Well, let me rephrase that. He does what he needs to do, but he can't get that satisfaction of like that human moment with her because she's just like, I don't believe it. So I think there are little subtleties that the whole setup that fall from the setup of him dying that do work on, an, on a sort of emotional or human level, but... You know, that doesn't really take away from the fact that I found the, the reading experience kind of tedious. But there are those little moments that really did work. Mm. And I think Grant Morrison did that, too, as a way to answer one of the biggest critiques on Superman and Clark, right? Like, how could no one know it's him? Yeah. It's just the pair of glasses. Yeah. Any idiot yeah. could figure it out. And I think he did that where they're in such disbelief that this person could be Superman. And it's a way he tackles that huge criticism of his alter ego right where even though he says it like matt was saying before he's such a buffoon that no one can believe it and that's Mm -hmm. how he tackles that how he doesn't have to have the greatest disguise because it's in his characterization it's the way he acts when he's not Mm -hmm. superman how clumsy he is and everything that no one could phantom the two being the same because it's such he's such he's such a this right even though he's like literally pulling his shirt open, showing the S, they're like, nah, yeah. nah. Yeah. No, it's not. It can't be. You're can't just be a fanboy that wears a Superman shirt under your shirt, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He almost concedes defeat as well when he's reborn in the final issue. He pops back into life as Clark Kent. And is it Jimmy? I don't know if Jimmy knows or not. And he comes over with a Superman outfit and he says, oh, Superman, thanks for keeping Clark safe. Where is he? The Fortress of yeah. Solitude. And it's like, yeah. yeah, sure. Give me the give yeah. me the costume and off we go. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And I thought that's I thought a very artful way of doing it. If you're going to answer that question, to answer and then to have it really get to the center of the theme and the conceit, 
very artful to have it meaningful to him not just we the reader to see like what will happen when he finally reveals it and what happens to the other characters how they react but like how meaningful it is to him to have to do it yeah and it's almost like this climatic scene where he reveals to her and it's like oh my god you are super I, you know and it's like blah, blah, blah. no no climax bam crash and burn for him you know it must be so yeah. deflating he's like now what do i have to do to I'm bearing myself to you and you're just flat yep. out denying me, you know, yep. like, <laughs> yep. Yep. exactly. Totally. It falls so flat for him. Like it must be so defeating. <laughs> yeah, no, to, I, I completely agree. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I thought that, that, that really did work. There are moments that are great that are kind of brilliant, but the arc as a whole, I just didn't understand largely. Uh, yeah. yeah. I always find it's Frank quietly, isn't it? Frank. Mm -hmm. I always find his art surprising every time I see it in a new title. Mm -hmm. It always takes me by surprise because it's so unique. It's it's both really detailed. The line work's really detailed, but there's no unnecessary line work there. It's a really mm -hmm. almost conflicting style because there's not a lot of shadow and depth that's actually added in the colours either. It's really fine and intricate inking. The splash pages are... Well, they're all posters, aren't they? They're made to be posters. Mm -hmm. I thought the art was beautiful in this. And I thought yeah, the coloring, really I noticed the coloring immediately as being lovely. And then the art and the inking you're right, Matt, really did work. I thought it was beautiful to look at, largely. Like I say, coloring, man, subtlety. The art of subtlety is, no. is what... Yeah. I mean, we talked about last time with uh, what Guru FX. Is that what <laughs> don't get us, don't get us started, Tim. Well, <laughs> yeah, don't get like, us started. <laughs> I, I didn't. Yeah, seriously, I didn't know if I really noticed, <laughs> like noticed coloring before, but this just completely elevated it, you know, to a next level of just beauty. I thought. Do you know when I first noticed coloring, sufficiently exceptional coloring? <laughs> I read Remender's X-Force and it starts with Dean White and um, I think it's a Pena. Mm. And the Pena drops off after about 15 issues and then they have new artists. But because they kept Dean White from start to finish, was it like 35 issues, almost 40 issues or something like that? It totally didn't feel mismatched. Like I thought, wow, you can actually have someone that's not that great at line work, but if you put the right colorist over the top, it can literally paint over the gaps mm, mm -hmm. well it's like a relationship right a colorist and a, a penciler or artist whatever you want to call it they have to complement each other like a relationship one person can't be overbearing or dominate the other it just yeah. won't work it has to be in synchronism right if someone has a shortcoming the colorist can help lighten that shortcoming and make it you yeah. know like they, they have to complement each other it can't be one upsmanship one over the other because then that's when i find the coloring doesn't really work and uh the colorist's name is uh jamie grant oh is it really is the colorist yeah yeah well, uh, wonderful yeah. work I thought, yeah. i'm gonna be pretty bold with this and i'm gonna say no amount of good line work can undo bad coloring however no. you can have brief or unsuccessful line work that can be <laughs> extenuated by good coloring Bad coloring is a lot less forgiving than bad line work. I think it falls in the same category as bad letter. Like they say, the best letters are the ones often you don't notice. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like if you're, if you're noticing their work, often it's you, not always the case, but often it's because it's they're doing a bad job. Right? So I think the colorist falls into that same category. I tell you, yeah, it always has really good. Sorry, Tim. I, I tell oh, you, no. it always has. 
<laughs> I tell you, Tim? it was really Tim? good. Tim, 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 Tim. <laughs> it's been a while since we've heard that. Uh, I, somebody who's always impressed me with the selection of letterers, maybe I should look it up while I'm saying that, it's Matthew Rosenberg on his indie stuff. What was the one with the record shop? Where it's in um, like an apocalyptic suburban sort of the one where you didn't get your um was it Goose didn't get his free vinyl with it or something like that? Oh, uh, oh yeah, uh, I sent him the one. I got issues two and three of the vinyl, but I didn't get issue one, so I was pissed off. So I mailed him my number two and three because he didn't get two or three and just number one. The furthest place from here is that it? Yeah, furthest place from here, and is it we can never go back or something like that? And also four kids walk into a bank pristine lettering and mm-hmm. um, the way the letters are super, superpositioned over the artwork it kind of feels like it's a part of the artwork it's not mm. just an efficient use an economic use of lettering let me see who who was on for kids with a matthew rosenberg uh, lettering is thomas mauer i just pulled it off the shelf right oh, there cool. thomas mauer yeah, yeah really good. Noteable. And is that the same on the other ones as well? Or is it just each time? Oh, has... I haven't read it yet. So I don't know if it's the same letter. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Grant actually does the inks on, on this Superman book as well as the coloring. Yeah. And the two letters <coughs> is uh, Bill Balsman and Travis Lanham. So I don't know if it's just they interchanged or anyway, but there's two letters on this book as well. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything to add to that, Tim? I interrupted you, sorry. No, no, not about lettering. I'm just flipping through. But about the art, the line work, as regards quietly, um, even though I didn't understand these issues, you can see his gift during the Bizarro issues because he has that line work that gives like a frumpiness. That's why I, one of the reasons why I like the Clark Kent mm. stuff so effective. It's kind of hunched over. The clothes are like rumpled slightly, you know. The Bizarro stuff, you can really see that with the subtle, like these little line work that just gives that texture to those characters. And it's really so brilliant he's a really great artist i don't see him enough is he working regularly these days or uh, i don't he does a lot of cover work he does a lot of cover work these days interiors i'm not sure he did a what's his name frank mylar did the what's his new book where he changes artists each issue i think it came out for Mm. image or boom anyway but frank quietly did uh, one of the issues each issue was a different artist and he did actually the interiors of one of those issues so okay yeah yeah so i thought those but that bizarro stuff that just highlights his gift the all mm-hmm. character designs because that line work is just so subtle and it gives like a completely different feel to the look of the character i think it's a beautiful book to look at yeah he's always spot on yeah. i compare him in the same class as like let's say jeff darrow i don't because- think i know jeff darrow uh he did the hard boiled he worked on oh. with frank miller he does a lot of work with frank miller uh, early okay. on what's the one the robot and the boy i can't remember what that one's called anyway but yeah he does shaolin cowboy for dark horse oh okay cool oh that yeah okay cool yeah, yeah. and he did a lot of the artwork uh for when he worked on the matrix he was on the uh, design team for the matrix movies and stuff oh, really? yeah who's the guy joe that does the sort of grotesque homages on instagram oh ian laurie he's, uh, he's he... kind of like quietly on steroids isn't he the way he oh yeah i love his stuff yeah like the first time i i found him on social media and he was doing like all these simpsons renditions and it was so like grotesque like you said almost like a horror version of the simpsons mm. you know like mm. 
and I, I just fell in love with his stuff and then uh started reading some john uh john lee's and he does a book mm-hmm. called and then emily was gone and he does the interiors of that one his style just adds so much to the story it's fantastic and he's a great follow he's very posts a lot on uh, social media so if you go follow him on instagram or whatever he's constantly doing his own homage to all these classic covers he went through this stage where for a full year he did his versions of all these classic batman covers and stuff he Mm -hmm. even did like this spider-man with venom which was a fantastic one a bunch of stuff what's his name Uh, ian laurie ian laurie okay firing up instagram right now ian laurie i-a-n i I believe and then laurie what is it? Or Ian? L-A-U. Yeah. R-I-E, I believe. Yeah, it's really yeah. fun. It's like when, yeah, you, when you post a new it homage, you're like, ah. Oh. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Like almost like there's <laughs> a like dance melting kind of style, like mm-hmm. a lot of it. Uh, it always adds like a grotesque element, almost like a, like if Cronenberg redid, yeah, like yeah, rebooted yeah. your favorite movie that was, you know, it's, it's like he's the Cronenberg of comics, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. I like him. He's great. We're saying you're saying it's like little winks to Superman throughout his history from way back in the fifties till now. And a lot of people probably praise this and seeing as how, like we're saying, not unlike Tim and not like on you, Matt, I'm not a big Superman fan. Yeah. So I'm coming into this with very limited knowledge of Superman. And I would say this is not a book you'd recommend maybe to someone who's trying to get into Superman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because It's like not being part of an inside joke. Mm-hmm. You know, you're hanging out with a bunch of people. Someone says something, everyone's laughing. You're just sitting there like, I don't get it. Maybe this is a book that should be only recommended to someone who has a pretty good knowledge of Superman. You know, I'm thinking that's maybe what it is. Why is it so highly regarded? I don't understand why, because I, I don't know Superman. That. Yeah. So yep. maybe that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. We, I know agree com- we know comics though, Joe. This is still a format. I think you're both right. It's not made for us. But I've read enough comics to know a good comic. Do you know what I mean? I think this is the perfect equivalent to what MCU movies and DCU movies are now, right? They're not great, but people love them because they throw in these little winks to this. Wink, oh, look, spoilers. If you haven't seen the fucking Flash yet, you just put it on mute for about 30 seconds because anyway, it's a <laughs> god-awful movie. Anyway, oh, look, it's the Nick Cage Superman. I love this movie. Or like, oh, it's, it's Michael Keaton back as Batman. Greatest movie ever. I mean, fuck you. If you want to make the Flash, Flashpoint movie, great. You would have made Michael Keaton Thomas Wayne. You would have made Superman when they go to that Russian compound, the Red Sun, not Supergirl the mark so anyway we're not ta- we're talking about all-star superman here we're not talking about Flashpoint. <laughs> <laughs> i'll stop myself right there <laughs> but i mean this felt like what the movies are now little winks to this and that where people are like oh and they they lose their shit and jerk off over it but i mean yeah but it lacks substance when i watched talk to me i said i think i said on the podcast it's a rare thing when you're you're more excited about a film afterwards than you are before it Genuinely, even talking about it now excites me. And what did we do in the past? Which ones have we done? Swamp Thing, right? When we went Swamp Thing, we had no idea. And that was a bit of a rough introduction in the first portion of that. However, I was still curious to find out more. I wanted to know more about Swamp Thing. I thought, why is it not clicking with me? Because everybody loves this. I felt the burden of responsibility to be inquisitive. 
with this, I was just glad it was finished. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of my critiques of it is that even the issues in the arcs that I followed what was happening lack a satisfying narrative arc, you know? Mm -hmm. So that is a skill of, of story writing. There are large sections of this that it was a failure at. I don't know if I'm willing to say like, well, accordingly it sucks because it might be that those, like what you're saying, Joe, Easter eggs and back references to Superman lore, that would make it satisfying. To me, it's no big deal. Like, oh, great. So they go to the Fortress of Solitude and and um, Superman reveals that he's Clark Kent to Lois. Like, I don't, like, that's sort of like mildly interesting in me, but I don't actually ultimately care because I'm not a Superman fan. But that might be itself highly satisfying to me. Mm. You know, somebody who had been following this for years, the Silver Age fans or whatever. But I don't know, man. A lot of this, just sitting as a comic, it lacked the typical like, storytelling arc. There's no rising action necessarily like denouement. There's nothing there. Um, it lacked, it lacked emotion. Yeah. It lacked emotion. I wasn't invested emotionally in this story. I didn't feel like if Lois Lane died, I wouldn't have been choked up. Or oh, I totally. found he didn't develop his characters from a personal emotional standpoint. Where mm. the relationships were there. He didn't develop those relationships into a way that blossomed that we cared about them, I found. Mm -hmm. Like, they all felt kind of cold. Like, even Mm -hmm. him and Lois. He brings her up, wants to give her the best birthday of her life, and then she accused him of trying to kill her and shit like that. Man, I think you need to go see a psychotherapist or something, you know? Like, what the fuck, you know? He doesn't want to let you into one room? (laughs) And you saw, like, a picture of yourself, you know? Like, and what? Your first thing is, he's trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. you know like what the fuck's <laughs> wrong with so you <laughs> yeah been, like his boyfriend for so many years and now just this one little thing triggers you into shooting him with a gun like you were gonna kill him that was so that weird gun, was like, yeah it was she, weird she does shoot him with the gun she yeah, does yeah. try to kill him it's just that he's so op at that point however yeah. my understanding of that was he was trying to grow another lois lane in case you in case the worst happened was that was that what that room was he was trying to grow another i lois thought he lane. was growing her suit wasn't it her suit? Oh, is it like a suit? Super suit? This is the fucking problem with this. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just fucking, it's just fucking or serum, mate. Yeah, no, it was Jimmy Olsen, or was it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't really uh, Lois. It was Jimmy Olsen dressed oh in drag God. as Lois. <laughs> and also, you're in the Fortress of Solitude. What kind of devious limits are you putting on any of the artifacts that are in there? Like, surely she would have some sentiment or level of understanding that some things are just not for you Lois (laughs) just leave well alone everything's fine he says don't go in that room it's probably for a reason he's Superman at this point I'd be like I'd be dumping her ass I'm telling you I'm Clark I'm telling you that as Clark I'm Superman and you blow me off like I'm a fucking big fat liar like you're not Clark then I take you here and you try to kill me like what is Superman getting out of this relationship (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, not any super shagging because he said that they're incompatible, <laughs> didn't he? I mean, I also though, when she during the twenty four hours, right? Like that because she was super. They? She was superpowered. I mean, that, they didn't show that, but they, I, I, I'd be stunned if they didn't. Serious right? shagging going on there for sure. I like, mean, but... if I was Superman, I'd be like, every month you're gonna drink my, this potion once a month, and we're gonna <laughs> yeah. get down and dirty once oh, a month. You know? Yeah, yeah, because that's why, yeah, yeah, because I was thinking, like, his ejaculate would be, like, faster than a speeding train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, but, like, a, like, 
<laughs> imagine though, imagine if he only had a little willy. Like imagine, because it's not like there's no musculature, is it? It's basically like cartilage and blood vessels. So there's nothing to say that while he was supersized in every other way, that his appendage was likewise. And also, let's go and let's just right. look at the other side of it as well. If it isn't, like what's the girth? Like he, I don't. Maybe, maybe he doesn't have anything. Maybe he's a Clark Ken. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there Enough. is no genitalia there. <laughs> he has to be a virgin, right? No way he's had sex before because he would. There's no super person who, like, right? Like, he's Man, never I wonder sex. if there's. I wonder if there's holes all over in the roof of the barn when he where he grew up. Oh my god! Just like when he goes through the teenage years, yeah, just you know, every chance he gets, he goes to the barn and rubs one out. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking, what's his dad's name again? Uh, oh, shit, Ken. Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan's like, fuck, Clark, you're making fucking holes in the roof again. <laughs> oh, man, I think when you say pew pew pew, I think you're doing it. I mean, it's going to be more like a. <laughs> or like a sonic boom you know you just get that like uh what is it that vibration like radius that just comes yeah. out from the barn you know like the sound shovels <laughs> blows the, the boards sound. off the barn <laughs> boards off the fucking walls the sound, the sound clearly travels faster as well so parkhead's just stood there waiting for it and he just goes shakes his head this gust of wind just blow, knocks them off their feet as he just like momentarily has time to shake his head. Martha and, Martha and Jonathan are at the breakfast table. The windows are rattling. They're like, fucking oh. Clark's masturbating again. <laughs> you could make like um, kryptonite condoms, couldn't you, to just lessen the blow? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. That's another thing about, let's talk about the kryptonite, right? I wasn't sure because, like we said, I'm not a very uh, familiar with the Superman uh, character. Mm. So then, when they introduced the Black Kryptonite in the story, where he kind of turns bad, right? Yeah, so I was like, right. oh, maybe this is one of the reasons why people love this book. Maybe this is the first mm. appearance of Black Kryptonite. Then I went and checked, and no, the first appearance of Black Kryptonite actually came from the show Smallville. Oh, really? Black okay. Kryptonite was introduced in Smallville, and then it was reintroduced in the comics in a Supergirl yeah. issue. Did you guys know, is Lana a real comic character or is that a reference to Smallville? Do you know? Like, is she? I had that same question, Tim. Yeah. I, I could not tell you. I think if we were able to answer those questions on the spot, we'd be having an entirely different version of this podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So have you got anything else to add to that? Or are we, are we done? Like basically trashing one of the uh, modern masterpieces. Well, okay, so my things I liked about it because I don't want to. I don't. I mean, obviously, we none of us really cared that much for it, but I the art is great. Like we said, quietly for sure. If there's anything you can take away, buy it for his art because he's fantastic. Truly, story wise, I mean, it's Grant Morrison. He's an acquired taste. You said it best. Grant Morrison is synonymous with weird, and this definitely has a weird vibe, which Quietly's art is complements that weirdness perfectly. Yeah. So if you like Grant Morrison's weird side, and then you'll probably enjoy this story. You know, if you like the weird aspects that Grant Morrison brings to a story, he definitely brings the weird. So, I mean, mm -hmm. if anything, I think, I think those are my two main takeaways. 
and I don't want to be like we're Grant Morrison haters. We hate Grant Morrison. So I'm going to recommend two other Grant Morrison books that I really enjoyed were Happy and We Three, which we touched on a little bit earlier in the episode. So go pick up those two books. They're fantastic. So Klaus was pretty good too. Which one? Klaus. Yeah. Yeah. That's more one of his straight storytelling. It's not as Mm -hmm. weird. You get a little bit of the psychedelic stuff in there a little bit, whereas, you know, Santa does the mushrooms, you know, or whatever it is and kind of trips a little. But in all, it's a pretty much a straight story, like an adventure story. So, yeah. It's just Warrior Santa Claus exacts revenge for not letting children have presents and and goes on, you know, basically a murder spree. Just common or God in Santa story, Joe. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's an adventure story, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. no I don't yeah. mean, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have like a, a curiosity or a peculiarity attached to it. Yeah. Uh, I think with Morrison, the hard thing as, I mean, me and Tim are almost at the same sort of stage of our reading in, in the way that we, when we adopted it, what we read, how we expanded it, and then also how we started to give up a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah. And the problem in Morrison, you can go and read almost, like Matthew Rosenberg, you can just go and get his indie stuff and, and they're all nice self-contained stories. You can go and, something like Brubaker, you can easily just go and get some Brubaker and read it. If you find like a Jason Aaron, there's a bunch of Jason Aaron stuff, Southern Bastards, you can go and yeah. get both sides, which I'd recommend <clears> anybody to read some of the finest war stories of about the Vietnam War. Brilliant story. You can go and find them for almost anybody. Grant Morrison is inaccessible, not because of how conceptual he is, but because those concepts need 30, 40, 50 runs. Like, I'd love to read his Justice League of America. And it's supposed to be a really straight, just superhero by the numbers, by the book, but it's just one of the best superhero team runs ever written and i'm kind of like all right let me read it and we'll find that out but Mm. it's really inaccessible because most of his stuff is really long form and i heard his uh, batman and robin is really good as well and i think the first arc was drawn by quietly as well so that's something i want to go and read of his big two stuff another one that a lot of people praise over at marvel is his x-men run a lot of people loved his x-men run over at marvel but those are the two next ones I'd like to read from him is the, the at least that first arc of Batman and Robin. That's with Dick Grayson as Batman, too. So that's uh, a fun mm. change of pace. You know, it's not Bruce. So it's it's Dick with Damien. So that's, uh, you know, you get rid of that whole father son element. And it's really like mentor and apprentice, you know, so it, that one. And then obviously with Quietly as the artist, you know, that's definitely on my list to check out for sure. I was hoping to check out his Animal Man run. I've heard that's very good. I've read the first book of that, and it's uh, it's definitely I enjoyed it. It's very similar to the way Swamp Thing is uh, laid out. You know, you get this. There's this one issue that's like just a wacky, like with a cartoon character. Anyway, it's it's pretty good. It's fun. Cool. It yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. If you like that, like what we've been reading for Swamp Thing, you'll enjoy the Animal Man. Yeah. Like yeah, Doom Patrol cool. is another one that I'm in that in a similar yeah. vein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely same uh, vibes. Yeah. Well, after this episode, we're polishing off the final part of Swamp Thing, and then after that, we're actually doing Grant Morrison's Batman, the three omnibuses for that. So we'll find out. Yeah, like when you put the schedule out because you're doing the uh, James Gunn, you're trying to cover mm, the books mm. that will inspire a lot of the movies. And then when I saw All Star Superman, I was like, oh, okay, I want to start reading more Grant Morrison. And I've always mm. wanted to read some Superman. So I'm like, perfect. Two birds, one stone. Well, <laughs> I'll tell people now, if you're like me and you're not very familiar, don't start with this book. 
this Superman book yeah. will probably turn you off, Superman, from going. Uh, but what's the other one? Uh, In the Sky or that one's supposed to be pretty good. With was it Tom King that wrote that one? Hey. Up in the Sky. Oh I, yeah, yeah. Is it the Walmart one? I'm not sure. I have it here. I think they released that one in Walmart. Yeah, Superman Up in the Sky. Yeah, Tom King, Andy Kubert does the art, and that's yeah, supposed yeah. to be pretty accessible from what I've heard. And all the stories are pretty good. And it kind of does the same idea. It takes kind of classic stories and a retelling of a lot of classic stories, right. but in a more concise, easier way to follow, I think. So that's one that I got a while back that a lot of people recommended. If you haven't read Superman, that's a good one to read to kind of give you a good uh, good base. So I actually tried reading Grant Morrison's action comics, the start of New 52. Mm. Uh, I found it impenetrable. It was really? so heavy sci-fi. Because that was the jeans and t-shirt Superman, wasn't it? That was like yeah. the rebranding of him. The farm and boy, Superman. It, it was absolutely impenetrable. It didn't give you a day one like all the other ones did. Like Snyder did perfectly with Batman. And you had, I think it was Gleason Tomasi that did Batman and Robin. It was impenetrable sci-fi and it was impenetrable Superman lore. They introduced a bunch of existing shit that I gave up. I don't even think I made it to the end of the volume. I was like, this is not. This is not what I signed up for. Wow. However, talking of Gleason Tomasi, I have the Superman omnibus downstairs as well. So that one's supposed to be like a pretty good, a pretty good entry for, for people that if you've not read Superman. But yeah. I think it might just be one of those. I always like the idea of reading, but there'll always be something to read first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Superman's a you know, it's he's such an iconic character, and I've never really gravitated towards him as a character i don't mm. know what it is but uh but some people love him and he's beloved right but uh, yeah, i just yeah. i still haven't gotten it right i'm not i'm not part of the the clique the club i just i don't yeah. see it i don't get it but maybe one day i'll read a story where like maybe the john burn stuff is supposed to be pretty solid you know that's supposed mm -hmm. to be a pretty good pretty good superman story too i'll tell you something nice i did too. another thing that i liked one one other thing that i liked is the Superman powers set is what makes him in inaccessible to a curious reader. Because you think, well, how are you going to cause antagony or put him in... Peril? Yeah, how do you establish adversary for him? It didn't only give you Superman, it gave you probably the most powerful Superman. The adversary was time, personally, and in the heroic sense. I will give and I will take with the same hand, because... What it also didn't do is play to it very well until the final couple of issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sense of urgency wasn't there until issue maybe 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I have to accomplish these 12 things. You're on issue 10. He's only at seven. So you're like, okay, yeah. we have two issues left, and he's still got five things to accomplish before he dies, right? So then you kind of felt that urgency because it took him 10 issues to do the first seven, and then you only have two two issues left to complete the next five. So then the pacing and the urgency kind of came into play yeah. a little bit more there towards the end. That wasn't there in the beginning, you know? like It was more prophetic than it was aspirational. It wasn't, I have to do these things. He was told, you will do these things before you die. Ah, yes. And, yeah. and also that takes away that level of urgency because it comes down to, you know, are you, is this like a fatalist story? Do you know any reference to the 12 tasks, Tim? Is it just a literary trope that there is a number of tasks to be fulfilled? It's from The Labor of Hercules, I think. I don't, I've never read that, so I don't know what the actual tasks are. 
but yeah, it's a reference to Hercules. That reminds me. So Atlas and Samson. So those are oh, yeah, like, forgot all about that. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea whether. I mean, again, yet again, if if those are characters that show up in Superman before, or if that was if they were new to this. Samson makes reference to like he's the only thing he's afraid of is the scissors, you know, because of like the cutting of the hair. Aha, like, uh-huh, very funny there. In the lore, it's he, he's deprived of his powers when his hair gets cut off. And then Atlas. I mean, these are the classic mythology characters, but I don't know if they had existed in Superman before. But yeah, Hercules is what the twelve labors of Hercules is what that's okay. About. I thought there would be a reference. Now I also was fairly confident that you would note him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't like the introduction of those two characters into the 24 hours of Lois with his powers. Yeah. Because half that issue, she's sitting on a rock watching Superman arm wrestle with them. You know, it's like... Right, right. I would want to see them kicking ass more together, doing like some cool shit, instead of her just sitting on a rock with waves splashing on her while he's arm wrestling (laughs) these two goofballs, you know? They're total bro characters, right? Like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, not a clue. Yeah, it kind of ruined that story. Because I thought that was a very interesting where Lois gets to experience Mm. being Superman. And I find he kind of fumbled the ball tremendously by introducing these two characters and taking up a good chunk of that story from the whole Superman and Lois story there. Yeah. Well, it turns out we did have quite a bit to say about this. I thought we'd struggle. (laughs) (laughs) What's she going to do? Yeah. Yeah, well, we do this sometimes with films that we didn't like. And then by the end of it, we're like, actually, was this good? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but the, my, my opinion is unchanged. This stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I even put a tweet out because I thought, I don't want a Tim said, should we try and find somebody that likes it? And I was like, maybe. And I was thinking yeah. about maybe dropping a couple of, of, I went on YouTube and there was a couple. The problem is they were done by established content creators, but I was trying to find somebody with like a thousand followers or some shit like that. And then when I found them, I listened to him. I went, this guy's just not very good. I don't want him on my podcast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, this guy's just boring. Boring. Yeah. Zedfest. Yeah, you keep that. Yeah, and that's probably the characteristics of somebody that would enjoy All Star Superman. <laughs> so I don't know why I was so surprised. <laughs> but so i put i put out like a thing on twitter to say look does anybody actually like this shit and nobody replied in fact one bloke the only reply i had of any substance was stinks is a bit unfair and i went yeah there's a definite odor though mate and he went yeah there is definitely an odor It's one, and it's one that you don't have to get close to either. Like you can, like you open your door in your house, you're like, "What the fuck's going on in here?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think you'll ever come back to this at any Never. point? No chance. No. No. Uh, if anything, I'll Google it just to go see some of the Quitly art. Aside from that, I don't think I, there's any reason for me to come back to it. Well, that yeah. brings us on to the the climatic question, and I think I know the answer. There's no point rating some things. You either read it or you don't, Tim, as we say. So it is a binary. Would you recommend this or would you not recommend it? I would not recommend it, sadly. I wanted to like it, but yeah, I couldn't. I would not send somebody to those. Yeah, I feel like you tried as well. Like you put effort yeah. into. 
<laughs> oh, what beautiful <laughs> symmetry this episode will have. <laughs> yeah, it began, it ends as it began. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? I think I do. I think I'm, if it's a meritocracy, I'd say, I'd say don't read it. But I want to know why. I want someone to explain it to me. So I'd be I like, know. yeah, please yeah, read it, read it, read it, please read it. Read it and let me know. <laughs> I know one person that's kind of a Superman fan, and I'll, I'll ask him. I'll ask yeah. him what, what he thought of it. He has a good yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. understanding of Superman. I'll ask him. I tell you what, I've just, had, I've just had a thought. Do you think the sort of quotidian pacing of this and the, the, the everyday nature of it, do you think it's revered so much because it isn't a bombastic Superman story? We're reading the subversion without knowing what the status quo is. Do you think that's what the problem might be? For sure. Yeah, we have no context. We have no knowledge of Superman, really. Like, how many Superman books have you read before this? Do you want to do recommendations, or should we just leave it? I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles last night. Oh, how was it? It's good. I That's something I recommend, but I don't want to talk about it because, like, it's brand new. And yeah, no one's yeah. had a chance to see it yet. But, yeah, I would recommend that. That was fun. Took my kids. We, they even liked it. Mm. We were going to go maybe watch it last night, but then my sister called me at like eight o'clock saying her motorbike broke down. So I had to drive like an hour and a half to go pick her up wherever she was. Uh, so that yeah. ruined my Saturday night. Spent three hours driving at late at night to go pick up my uh, sister's. Bummer. Life. You think you're going yeah. to TMNT and it's like you're driving like dead of the night? Yeah, yeah I hate driving at night too, especially long distances. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, it's ruined the podcast hearing about it. So I hope you're happy with it. <laughs> Right here to hear about your sister's vehicular problems. <laughs> I just read this yesterday, though. We're going to be doing an episode on Tuesday. Ooh, that yeah, this was nice. pretty good. Callie, yeah, it's uh, look at that. Daniel Friedman was the writer. Robert Samlin is mm. the illustrator. He does a lot of work for film and stuff like that. It's a really quick read because it's super action packed, high pace. So uh, it's a dark horse book. You can get it anywhere. It's pretty easy to find. And that's Cali. Cali. K-A-L-I. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've not really been up to much. I continued with Ecstatic, which if you listen to the last episode, you'll oh. know how fond I am of that. And I just read this. That was it. I was quite busy mm. this week. So let's leave it there then. Let's give me a nice easy one to edit. Joe, if you'd like to say goodbye to everybody, thank you for turning up and greeting us with your presence. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to hang out with you two and, uh, you know, talk about the, well, now that there's a child present, I'll I'll refrain from going off on any uh, adult uh, centric uh, tangents. (laughs) (laughs) Great to talk to you guys. I always enjoy these episodes where three of us get together and talk about these classics, even though we don't always like all of them, but they are fun. So nice to see you guys. Looking forward to the next time. Well, we're actually doing um, gaming, aren't we, in the new year? So hopefully we'll be able to get you back on for some of those if you're interested. Mm. Well, that really leaves me, that's Matt, part of the regular co-hosting team. And just a little reminder that if you've made it this far into the episode, then why haven't you subscribed? Why haven't you liked? Why aren't you screaming from the rooftops about the end podcasting? How great it is! Probably because nobody listens to it. <laughs> so just a reminder, if you're listening to us on one of the one of your favorite listening locations. We are also on YouTube as the end pod one shots. We are on Twitter and Instagram as the end underscore pod. And if you are on YouTube and that's how you found us, 
You can find us through Spank Media on all your listening locations and the end. Oh, that's all that over and done with. That leaves me one more thing to say. We have been, and this is the end. That was nice.